1: The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show.
2: And welcome to the x everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and for the next, ooh, four hours, I'm going to be your host and your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the x It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, and the x comes to you Monday through Friday from 11 p.m. until 3 a.m., right here on the x Radio Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net, also on Radio X throughout Europe, and on TalkStream Live. If you would like to send us an email, studio at xzoneradiotv.com on all social media sites, x Radio TV, and our website. Yep, you've got it, www.xzoneradiotv.com. You know, October... Here in the Exone for the past 25 years has been a month of ghosts, goblins, hauntings, exorcism, things that go bump in the night. And tonight is going to be no different, Exo Nation. My first guest tonight is uh, Charles Harrington, and uh, he is the author of a very interesting book entitled Guidebook to Haunted and Strange Places in Rhode Island. All right, Exo Nation, it's one of those nights in the fall perfect, I mean a perfect night for going out there and getting into haunted and strange places. So put on a comfortable pair of shoes or boots to to journey through four self-guided walking and biking tours on the strange and haunted locations across some lesser-known regions of Rhode Island. Tales of mythical monsters, ghosts, and spirits from a murder or two may greet you as you explore Prudence Island, Newport, Jamestown, and the surrounding areas. Meet fabled half-deer, half-goat, which is called a dote, a demonic dog that has been scaring visitors for centuries, and ghosts that may be slightly more welcoming. Find out whether the Newport Tower is the true location of the lost Viking city of Norumbega, and visit the locations made famous by Rhode Island's favorite son of horror, himself, H.P. Lovercraft. Joining me now is Charles Harrington and uh, Charles is the author of Guidebook to Haunted and Strange Places in Rhode Island and surrounds and uh, Charles welcome to the X Zone.
3: Oh, thank you. Thank you very much.
2: So Glad tell So tell me. Have you seen a ghost?
3: Yes, I have. Um uh long, long time ago. I was, um, I was in a, actually I was in London of all places. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. It was the President Hotel over by Russell Square, and it was, I was just going back to my room, it was 1130 at night, right? and just down the corner of my eye, I see something down the hallway, so this little gray looks almost like a shade, and it went through a pair of swinging doors, the doors didn't move at all, mm-hmm. and it went through another door that was locked. And like I swear I saw it. I mean, again, it was late at night. I was tired, um, but it just—that's the uh, closest experience I've had.
2: So, so, so having uh, had that experience, did that have any effect on on the book that you've written about the haunted, uh, you know, the, the haunted and strange places in Rhode Island? What was your inspiration for writing the book?
3: For the book itself, the inspiration was actually two things. It was um, I used to read a lot of Edward Rose Snow, who was a local historian, in Massachusetts, wrote mostly about shipwrecks, um, and then he uh, moved on to lighthouses. And after the lighthouses, he moved on to writing about ghosts and local, stale, you know, tales of monsters and right. Um, but there was also another book written by a guy named Henry L. Beckwith Jr. And he wrote a guidebook back in, I think it was the 80s, when it was published. And that was called Lovecraft's Providence and Adjacent Parts. Uh, what that was was actually a guidebook to downtown Providence, Rhode Island. And what it does is that it basically takes you off to different sites that Lovecraft himself mentioned in his stories, like the case of Charles Dexter Ward or the Shunned House. Mm-hmm and from basically from the time the book was published up until like the mid 90s Providence was undergoing such a dramatic change there were like buildings being torn down they actually uncovered an entire river in downtown Providence so anyone reading that book the one by Beckwith would have been completely, totally lost unless they'd grown up in the area. All right,
2: stand by. We've got to take a break, Exxon Nation. This is Halloween month here in the Exxon, and our guest Charles Harrington and I return on the other side of the break. Don't go away.
4: This is Kevin Randall. For nearly 30 years, I have been investigating the case of the Roswell UFO. I have interviewed hundreds of people and stood on the crash site. Now in Roswell in the 21st century, I have reviewed dozens of hours of audio and videotaped interviews, examined hundreds of files that relate to the crash, and have returned to Roswell in an attempt to put all that information into the proper perspective. For the first time in Roswell in the 21st century, I have made a dispassionate reevaluation of all that material and provide a new look at what happened. This is a book that clears away all the clutter that has hidden the truth for so long, strips away the various lies that surround the case, exposes the Air Force attempts at cover-up, and found a core of solid information that tells us all where the case stands today. Roswell in the 21st Century will be available in just a few weeks. For more information, please visit my website at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com
2: Gibbs A. Williams PhD is a practicing psychoanalyst, supervisor, researcher, and author in New York City. Much of his life has been dedicated to understanding nature and the uses of meaningful coincidences or synchronicities. His radical and original non-Jungian, non-mystical, non-magical theory of synchronicities illuminates much of the fog surrounding this challenging and perplexing topic. His ideas and manners are fresh, presented in a style that is both entertaining and highly informative. Welcome back, everyone. My guest this hour is Charles Harrington, and he's been writing travel articles for over a decade, mostly focused on Japan, where he lived for several years. After graduating from Roger Williams University in Bristol, Rhode Island, he began teaching English and writing for magazines, with numerous articles being published in, is it the Kansai?
3: Uh, it was Kansai, Kansai.
2: Kansai Scene yep. and Kansai Time Out magazines, including a feature uh, retracing the footsteps of Inns Fleming's famous spy in the novel *You Only Live Twice*, Charles Harrington has returned to the New England area where he continues to write. The uh, you know about the odd and the fun. We're talking about uh, Charles's book this hour, *Guide to Haunted and Strange Places in Rhode Island and Surrounds*. And uh, Charles, where can people get a copy of your book?
3: It's actually being released November twenty-eighth. Um, it's actually on pre-order now on Amazon. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, great. And do you have a personal website?
3: I don't have a personal website yet. I'm actually working with the illustrator of the book, uh, mm-hmm. Kristen Regan. We're getting a webpage together.
2: Okay, super. For it. So. All right. So before I, I had to break us for the break, you were just telling us about you know downtown. Uh, they were what were they doing? Excavating, and they found a river. And so take us through that
3: what happened was basically they, they they knew the river was there all along mm-hmm. um essentially somebody i don't know the exact history of when the river was covered up but it was covered up basically to expand downtown so that they would have more space to build on and what they did was they basically built i'm pretty sure it's the widest bridge in the world at the time and what happened eventually was a lot of businesses left downtown providence so Um, Mayor Vincent Buddy Cianci took it upon himself to, um, basically have the Providence Renaissance, for lack of a better term. Actually, he might have dubbed that term. And what they did was they, uh, uncovered the river. They went back, dug up the bridge, the river was back, and they put in this beautiful little Park like area right in downtown Providence by the state house between the old city hall, which is mentioned in the guidebook. And it's this gorgeous little river walk. During the summer, they have these torch ceremonies, uh, water fire, and thousands of people go down and just like walk along the banks. And it was one of those things that was not mentioned in the old guidebook by Beckwith. So it was like, again, anyone who hadn't grown up in the area would be completely lost going by his guidebook. And it was a great guidebook, but it's just so much has changed. So I started like, I got a copy out of the library, went down, started walking around. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is where the bridge used to be. And this is where that parking lot used to be. Right. And so I started like taking, scribbling down some notes. And then you know, started working it out from there. I'm like, oh, you yeah, know, let's be like, like a little interesting little guidebook. And then I said, well, you know, why stop there? We'll move on to another. You know, what there's a lot of an Island, so started poking around. And um, like a popular, like one of my favorite places for hiking is Prudence Island. So I remember in college reading about the dope. Half deer, half goat. It's like, it's basically, I've seen one picture of it. I think there might be only one picture of it. Mm-hmm. And it basically would come up to like a person's knee. And it looks like a deer. Right. And somebody dubbed it the dote because it apparently resembled a half deer, half goat. And the picture I saw on the Bristol Phoenix was the official fuzzy photo of this unknown creature that was like bucking at a cat. And it was just like, it was just such a weird little thing. I said, oh, you know, I go out to Prudence a lot, so I start, you know, going back out there and poking around and Mm -hmm. asking some questions about the different places and this abandoned mansion on the northern end of the island. And, um, you know, just essentially, that was another tour. So I started thinking about, I'm like, you know what, see if I can get this published. So... And that's basically where the uh, whole thing started off. from. I mean, it started off with trying
2: to rewrite the Beckwith book. So basically, you're a historian. Yeah, you're a historian. I'm a historian. Keep historian. your history alive, yeah. Where, in your opinion... Yeah, I'm a big history buff. Where, in your opinion, are the most haunted places in Rhode Island?
3: In Rhode Island, I'd probably have to say it's Providence itself.
0: Hmm.
3: Um, it seems like, when I was like doing a research on Providence itself... Is Benefit Street gorgeous? Street they kept it as original as possible to what it would look like back in the 1800s, and it's one of those streets that has a classic story of, you know, family graves mm-hmm. that were allegedly not dug up when they were all moved to, I think it was the north.
2: Whoa! What was that? I don't know. Wow. I'm
3: gonna blame a ghost.
2: Nah. All right, let's blame a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> that's it that's it no more people on here from rhode island they bring the ghosts with them oh that's the whole thing <laughs>
3: but um yeah i it's i kind of lost my track with trying to thought there
2: i was asking you where the most haunted place in rhode island was
3: yeah so same providence um yeah, it was benefits traded so mm-hmm. allegedly there might be some graves that were missed when uh the city of providence went through and you know, exhumed the family plots and moved them all to one central burial ground. Um, that's touched upon in one of Lovecraft's stories called The Shunned House. And H.P. Lovecraft's story of The Shunned House is a classic. This house is cursed. It's on the side of a you know, college hill and nobody's lived there for years. And of course if you go by the house today it's a beautiful house that's been completely, totally renovated. I've never heard of any actual hauntings at this house itself but you know it's a great start and so um, I think they're you know they're interested in it because it can't be explained um I could go back and I could read history about um you mentioned the Ian Fleming article I wrote right and you know I can go back and I know Ian Fleming was a real man I know James Bond wasn't a real man mm-hmm. um but you know some of the places Ian Fleming went to you know those places are real and you could go there today um so I mean it's just essentially it's kind of like you go there you see it it's beautiful it's gorgeous you take pictures but it's nothing there's nothing to debate there's like you know it's kind of like um yeah it's but with a ghost going back to the ghost story I told you about in London you know maybe I was too tired maybe it was the glass of wine or two that I had before I went to my room that was like having that effect on me maybe it was jet lag so I mean, there's a lot of debate, a lot of questions that could be raised about whether that was a ghost or not, and I can have an engagement. I could sit back, have a friendly chat about that. Yeah. So I think that's probably why a lot of people, you know, still enjoy a good ghost story. It cannot be explained.
2: There's a lot of things in life that can't be explained that, that don't have the. Same attraction that that ghosts and hauntings do. I guess it's part of our own psyche. Whether we, you know, whether we do live on past life. Is there a chance that we that we spend more time than than just little slice of the time-space continuum that we share on this planet. So many un- untold, uh, you know, so many unanswered questions when it comes to death, the hereafter, what's on the other side. And, of course, then you've got the religious philosophies that are all chipping in and giving it, it their own mm-hmm. spins. So how do you and your family celebrate Halloween?
3: Um, actually, it's relatively low-key. Um, it, we, you know, we still, I still... Give candy at Halloween. Trick or treaters mm-hmm. come to the house. Um, when I was in Osaka, I was living in Osaka, Japan for quite some time. Uh, we'd have like the traditional Halloween party where we'd all dress up in costume and ride on the train. Right. Um, I actually never t- took part in that because I was usually off with a couple of friends having a you know a couple of drinks. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was younger, yeah, yeah did the trick or treating. Went out. Um, this time of year, when I was in college, when I was in high school, my friends and I would usually run out, try to uh, go to the most haunted place we could think of. You know, we'd try to go find a ghost. And, you know, we'd be sitting there in the woods occasionally with our flashlights and waiting for somebody to pop up and say, boo. (laughs) But, you know, that never happened. Uh, But it was a good time. You know, we went out. We had a great time. You know, we had something to talk about and yeah, you know, we felt brave for that mm-hmm. hour or two that we were sitting there. Yeah, it was it was an enjoyable time, and yeah, that's that's what I'd like to bring. That's that's my favorite memory of Halloween.
2: So basically, what you've done in your book is incorporated mm-hmm. nine walking tours with maps, and it's basically a do-it-yourself uh, ghost tour.
3: Essentially, it is. Um, there are four primary tours. Mm-hmm. There's one for Providence, the other one for Prudence, Newport, and Jamestown. Um, What I had to do with uh, some of the other sites was include them in there. It wasn't very linear. Like, uh, There's a great park called Fort Barton, and it's a beautiful little three miles of trail Mm -hmm. going into the the forest and by some swamps. Uh, So that's what I did was like... For the tours themselves, yeah, I just did a lot of research, walked around, and basically kind of like, Providence was the best because I had something to work with, whereas with Newport, Jamestown, and Prudence Island, I had to basically sit down and scratch out the tour. And like, Newport, I did it as more of a loop, so you could start at one place, and You do a loop around Mm -hmm. the waterfront, go up towards uh, the Viking Tower, come back, and you're roughly about a block away from where you started, which is the White Horse Tavern. And it's the oldest tavern in the United States. Of course, it's haunted because it's in Rhode Island. Yeah,
2: And of course, it's haunted because so many people go to that pub just to see and drink the spirits.
3: Exactly. You know, there are definitely... You can, you're guaranteed to see spirits there, of one sort or the other, most, more likely behind the bar.
2: So let me ask you, are you a believer, or are you a skeptic, or are you the kind of person that says, I don't know, I'm still sitting on the fence when it comes to ghosts?
3: It's one of those things where, like, when I was writing the book, Mm -hmm. some of them, some of the stories I came across were, like, a little bit too detailed, a little bit too dramatic. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not going to write this one, you know. Um... There was one that I really liked about Newport, and it was essentially the chief of police of Newport, I forgot the exact year. What he did was he actually assigned two police officers to sit in one of his houses that he owned, like a rental house, and essentially what happened was there was somebody knocking on the woodwork, and to my knowledge, they never caught the ghost. That one, yeah, I tend to believe maybe it's a ghost. It could also be bad piping. It could be, and this kind of goes back to what we were saying before, why I think ghost stories are so popular, because there's a debate for them. Yeah. It's,
2: At the time, was the house occupied? There
3: was. Oh, wow. It was actually the tenants of the house complained to the owner, who was the chief of police, who turned around and assigned the two police officers.
2: And there's a good use of the taxpayer's money, having two cops sitting in the house waiting for a ghost. Listen, you and I have to take a break, my friend. Please stand by. Guidebook to Haunted and Strange Places in Rhode Island and Surrounds. And it's published by our good friends at SchifferBooks.com. And if you'd like to, uh, I am Rob McConnell. This is the X-Zone. And Charles Harrington and I will be back as we continue investigating the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology right here from our broadcast center, which is not haunted, here in Hamilton, Ontario, <laughs> Canada. Don't go away. Welcome back, everyone. Charles Harrington is my special guest. In fact, uh, during the break, we played a little soundbite to hear what uh, Craig was uh, coming back with uh, when we come back out of the commercial break. And uh, Charles so aptly nailed it. The ghost of disco's (laughs) past. Hey, that's a great one, Charles. And then, of course, you know, I just had to spoil it by saying maybe we should do a Christmas show with that. And Charles, you said...
3: I said Santa Claus can pop on out with his polyester leisure suit, and we're all set.
2: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, XO Charles is the author of Guidebook to Haunted and Strange Places in Rhode Island and Surrounds. It's available from our good friends at Schiffer Press. Um, Charles, could you take us on one of the shortest, shortest tours that you give in your book? You know, yeah, just, I could do that. Yeah, just a little walkthrough. Um,
3: so probably the shortest one is probably going to be Jamestown. Okay. And it's um, it's a small town. It's often overlooked, unfortunately, because it's right across the bay from Newport. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the summer, there's actually a great little ferry that runs from Newport over to Jamestown. And what you do, it does, it drops you off right in the docks. And so, like, it's this beautiful pier area. You're going to see like, commercial fishing boats tied up alongside like a multi-million dollar yacht wow. during the summer. And in the winter, of course, it's the summer community, so everything dies down a little bit. And there used to be a lot of um, hotels and inns over there. But going back into the history, what happened was they had these very large ferries that would go back and forth on a daily basis regular, you know, multiple times a day. And when they built the Newport Bridge, it connected it to the island, and the ferry service gradually just died off. So when the ferry service died off, mm-hmm. the bridge connected to Jamestown, there was another bridge on the other side, so people quite often would just cut straight drops They wouldn't even stop in Jamestown. So the inns kind of like sadly died. And um, what they did was it. They tore them down. It, then, oddly enough, somebody rebuilt one of the uh, condominium complex that looked like one of the old hotels. And that's what Grichia is like get off the boat if you're taking the ferry over. And you walk around, there's a great little seafood restaurant right on the waterfront there. Um, obviously fresh. Uh, there's a great little um, liquor store with You go right in the back of it, they have, like, all these specialty cheeses and imported cold cuts. and It's a little bit on the pricey side. I mean, it's well worth it. Uh, So it's a good place to pick up a little snack. Then you basically cross the road, you start walking up. And you go by, like, a nice little cafe called the Narragansett Cafe. It's actually more of a bar. Um, it's going, it's an old like stone wooden floor. Actually had a, like, I think it was a shuffleboard up against one wall. You just go in there, grab like some good old-fashioned pub food if you want. It's kind of diagonally across the street from the old uh, Jamestown Fire Station. And in the summer, they actually have like a small little firehouse museum. Like, they're showing off the old engines. Um, Further down, there is the one and the only the Philomenean Library of Jamestown. Although I think it's actually the Jamestown Philomenean Library, um, and they're quite blunt about it. They've come out and just said, "Yeah, we made up the term Philomenean. <laughs> they just like the way it sounds."
2: Well, it does have a kind of neat sound. I would imagine it sounds very different when people are filled with spirits.
3: Exactly. Mm-hmm. So you. Stop off, grab a pint or two, go on down, and you'll be amazed at how wonderful Philomenean sounds when you're drunk.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Philomenean. Philomene, Philomene. Silo. Silo. There, there you go.
3: But uh, perhaps like the most haunted region in Jamestown, though, is Fort Weatherall, And that's on the um, southern tip of the island. And it's actually Jamestown's on Connecticut Island. And what it is, is that it's this old fort that goes back centuries, literally. And this is where the demon dog from Hades has been chasing people for centuries. There have been reports of it chasing British soldiers back in the American Revolution. Um, During the late 19th, early 20th century, uh, the U.S. Army, the U.S. Navy built up the area. It was like this large fortification built right down the bottom coastal guns bunkers um and when eventually the u.s navy left in the 70s they well the navy is still there but i mean when they left fort wetherill so i mean when i say still there they're still in newport but um when they left fort wetherill they had nothing to do they couldn't do anything with these bunkers they were just so hardened you couldn't demolish them. So it's been turned into a bit of a park and they did put steel doors over the, you know, all the entrances going into the bunkers. And of course, you know, some very nice people have ripped them apart. So you can now go into the corridors of these bunkers. It's not advised. Uh, the floor has been ripped up as well. It's very uneven. But, of course, people go in there, and uh, people have reported still being chased by this large black dog with glowing red eyes. Uh, when I was down there, the closest thing I was saw was this little beagle that decided I was his friend and came running up to me, but that was about it. I didn't see the demon dog of Fort Wetherill.
2: Maybe the poor demon dog passed on and went to the happy hunting ground. Maybe it saw the light. It could be that. See so that, or somebody it smucked saw the light it. at the end of the tunnel and just yeah, yeah, yeah or, or somebody leaving the pub after having a little bit too much to drink, trying to say "flash hilo hi, got behind the wheel <laughs> of the car and hit the damn dog. You never know these days, do you? Okay, I so know, where, so where do we go from there? Uh, from there, that's um, that's pretty much
3: Jamestown. And there is the Beavertail Lighthouse.
2: The Beavertail Lighthouse. And
3: that is... Yes.
0: Hmm.
3: It's basically, Connecticut Island is two large islands connected by one very narrow isthmus. And the uh, lighthouse is at the very southern tip of the whole landmass. What this does is that uh, basically it was guiding ships that were coming in. And still there. It's still in operation. Of course, it's been uh, taken over by the U.S. Coast Guard. No, the U.S. Coast Guard has a radio navigation beacon there. And the lighthouse itself is I want to say semi private now. But I have to double check my notes. Hmm. But um, that's, um, this This is also where I personally think the Viking colony of Vega might be.
2: Now, why do you say that? that? I was going to ask you about that because uh, I'm very, I'm I'm very uh, interested in the Vikings, especially since you know everybody credits Christopher Columbus with discovering America, and, and anybody who's ever gone to school and actually learned anything knows that the Vikings were here way before Columbus. Hmm.
3: It's basically there's a gentleman who wrote a book um, back in the. 1900s, I'm just actually pulling it. let's see, where is that now, there we go, Defense of Nuremberg, it was written by a gentleman named Eben Norton Horsford, and it was published in 1891, um, basically he described Nuremberg as being like, on this island surrounded by water on two sides, you could sail up the uh, bay, there was this large waterfall further up the bay, that waterfall kind of resembles, you know, in print um, the Kwikoshan waterfalls from Fall River, Fall River, Massachusetts. Now, in Fall River, Massachusetts, it was actually a skeleton and armor that was found as well back in the 1800s. And the armor allegedly was like, it wasn't It just seemed really odd. It didn't seem to be English. It might have been Spanish. Some people theorized it might have been Viking. And in the Jamestown Philomenian Library, they actually have some armor as well. Well, brass plates. That kind of resemble armor. And they found it on the island. So that's kind of like, I mean, there's been a couple of, Scattered pieces of evidence in the area that kind of point towards the Vikings, and just the description of Norm Baker in the book, "The Defense mm-hmm. of Norm Baker, I kind of think of this might be it.
2: Wow! So, is it safe to say then, based on on the research that you've done, that the Vikings mm. actually um, colonized the the area of uh, Rhode Island?
3: I wouldn't say one hundred percent. That's it's my theory. Okay. Um, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't go out and write an entire book just on that and and I mean I'm not as adamant about this as a lot of people are. Um, I think it's a very strong possibility. And while I was researching the book I did come across a reference to a tribe that nobody had a name for they were very good with stone cutting and everything else. And I'm thinking, like, okay, there's a possibility of maybe it was a Viking ship, got blown off course, mm-hmm. maybe it, you know, beached itself in this area. Um, you know, if you know, if maybe 15, 20 sailors jumped off the boat, they couldn't make it back, or they just decided to stay here. You know, maybe they made a go for yeah. it and perhaps you know sadly they might have just died and you know history the history of this little expedition died with them there's a possibility of that
2: wow history is so rich do you think that that we honor history enough as as time progresses or do you like me find that the the historical values of cities towns country uh, monuments, buildings—it's seem, they seem to lose their their importance in today's technological age. And and to hear somebody like you discussing what you're discussing and and how you take pride in the rich history—it's wow! It's a welcome change.
3: Oh well, thank you. I I think it is kind of sadly being forgotten.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And it's like that was another reason why I wanted to write this guidebook is more a case of like. Trying to get people to go out and walk around and enjoy history. and um, I didn't want to write a you know straight up ghost tour. I wanted to write something a little bit different. you know, like, hey, you know what? Here's a haunted tavern, right? It's right next to a old baseball field where people still play baseball tonight, and it just happens to be right across the street from where there was a lot of rum running in the 1920s. So it's just kind of like introducing people to the very, you know, eclectic history of a region. Yes, you know, so, I mean,
2: cover base, least, like, yeah.
3: cover rum-running, cover sure. ghosts of the American Revolution. And you can do all that in, like, maybe a half-mile stretch.
2: All right, stand by. We have to take our final inning stretch here in the Exxon. Charles Harrington here. is our special guest, XO Nation. He is the author of Guidebook to Haunted and Strange Places in Rhode Island and Surrounds. And we'll both be back as we wrap up this hour here in the XO from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Bunk away. GeneX provides 36 questions for the Select Committee on Benghazi to validate if Americans are justified to mistrust President Obama and Hillary Clinton. An overview of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi is presented on the website www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Afterlife expert Roberta Grimes was the first one to say that dying can be fun Welcome back, everyone. Um, Charles Harrington is our special guest to this hour Nation. We're talking about his book, Guidebook to Haunted and Strange Places in Rhode Island and Surrounds. And it's available on Amazon.com as well as uh, on the website of our friends at Schiffer Books at www.schifferbooks.com. Um, I, I'm, I'm still trying to get a hold of, fathom the Half Deer, Half Goat. <laughs> i i am too i can come up with a few explanations on my own uh like you right. either had a horny goat or a horny deer and they just wanted to buck around and that was pretty bad i know um but okay so it's, it sounds like the you know, do, you re, do you remember the uh I forget what show it was on, but they also, they always had a, a jackalope. A jackrabbit oh. crossed with an antelope. Oh. oh, what was that? It was really good. We both remember the title, no problems. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so do you, how do you, how do you, as a historian, as a teacher, as a person who does serious travel guides, when you hear of a jackalope, I'm sorry, of a, uh, uh, what the A heck? Dot. A dote. A dote. A dote. A dote. It sounds like, uh, what's one-on-one? And the guy goes, dote. Um, <laughs> or what was that your wife said to you the other day when you came home drunk? Dote. It almost sounds Don't. like something you'd hear on The Simpsons. It does. Yeah, yeah, actually, it
3: sounds like Homer Simpson, yeah.
2: Yeah, it does. So, So how do you... Is there any reason, is there any rhyme that, that you've found during your research that, that would indicate that this is actually something that has been seen, or is this just another myth that enriches the local history?
3: Now, this actually was seen, and this was one of the weird things. I was actually sitting, when I was back in college, I was sitting in College Library at Roger Williams. I picked up a newspaper, and this is like emblazoned on the front page of the newspaper, and I think it was the Bristol Phoenix. And I'm looking at this, and I'm like, I'm, I read the article, and I'm like, wow, this is just so weird. And then I read Prudence Island, I'm like, I've got to go out there. Hmm. So me being a good college student that I am, I played hooky. And went out to go try finding this dilt one day. Right. And um, the article, was a really well-written article. Yeah. And I can't remember the gentleman's name, but it he was quoted in the article as saying that very likely it might be just a miniature deer. So imagine just like a, a really short miniature deer, but a lot of people say it resembled a goat at some point. And so, I mean, again, this is one of those things where you can sit back and you can have a fun discussion on, Mm -hmm. you know, what this was, you know, but Kind of lean towards the probably miniature deer.
2: Yeah, so yeah. so would I because you know I, I've certainly seen miniature deer and mm. how how anybody could ever kind of uh, think it looks like a dude is is beyond me. A dude, mind you, it depends on how many how many spirits they had in the pub on the way home. I guess. I
3: was going to say uh, it's. Uh, Trudans Island is actually a rather unique little community because. Mm uh they have very little infrastructure um they still don't have an atm out there to my knowledge wow and there's just like the little general store and you know so any, any spirits must have been like brought over on the boat or mm-hmm. you know homemade and homemade you know variety could probably lead to a lot of sightings
2: i would imagine so i certainly would imagine <laughs> so um What is your next project? Are you are you going to be doing more paranormal books or are you going to be getting back into mainstream tourism?
3: Um, the next book I'm actually working on now, I was um, just speaking with somebody at Schiffer about it um, maybe about three or four weeks ago. I'm still waiting for the okay, yeah. but I'm uh, starting the research now. Um, just basically more spots off the beaten path. So kind of like... Um, I was just down in Westerly, Rhode Island, um, just a couple of weeks ago. And it was like a beautiful little town that just seems to be completely forgotten. And it looks like it was an old stagecoach town. And, you know, people have this image of a stagecoach out in the West, but they forget that stagecoaches were actually pretty common in New England for a while. And there's a brewery up there and mm-hmm. you know this gorgeous library with uh history is basically it was built as like a vfw hall almost so um i think like basically more you know places like that just a lot of places that sadly people forget about
2: so when you write a book about uh the these places that are you know uh off the off the main off the main trail or whatever. How do the people feel who are off the main road, who wanted to get away from uh, the, um, you know, the, the everyday traffic of of hikers and uh, those who want to take the, up to the trail? That now there's an author like yourself who's spilling all the beans.
3: I have actually. I haven't had any negative hmm. experiences. Um, one experience that jumps to mind was this small little distillery in a village called Yagyu, Japan. Right. And I went in after a long hike, and it's at the very end of a trail, and went in one day and, like, started chatting with the lady behind the counter. You know, she was offering free samples of sake,
2: and I'm like, of course, I will have some. (laughs) Uh, Wait a second, hold on. Hold on here, hold on here. It seems that wherever you go, there's booze it is. I'm, All right. Irish, I'm a writer, you know. Hey, you and I got to hang out one day.
3: <laughs> we got to do that.
2: We'll exchange stories. <laughs> we'll, look there the, we go. we'll look for the, we'll look for the dote. Either that or we'll We're create, for the... we'll create our own dote.
3: We'll make our own dote. There you go. You go looking for the bucking dote, you know.
2: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, if we could be dangerous together, my friend. So, <laughs> So, so before I so rudely interrupted you, uh, you were at this hmm. restaurant getting free samples of sake.
3: Oh, it was a distillery. They're actually they made the sake. Yeah, they wow. made the sake in back, and at a little storefront. And I asked the woman, you know, hit him, you know I said, "Hey, I'm writing for a magazine. Do you yeah. mind if I mention your, you know, distillery?" And next thing I know, I'm getting a tour of the whole process and woman is explaining everything to me in Japanese and I'm like making out probably every fifth or sixth word because she's going into the technical details of how to distill alcohol. And I'm like, I I just imagine I did look like that deer on the headlights at some point because I'm like, Oh, okay. I understood water (laughs) and Oh, that's rice. I know that word now. Yes. So, um, but I mean, she was exceptionally pleasant and that's, been the reaction i've gotten from a lot of people when i um go off to these
2: places wow well no matter what you do my friend i wish you much success and um okay. how, how do you celebrate halloween in uh, rhode island
3: actually i'm right across the border in massachusetts
2: ah but, that's that's um, why you're picking so on like, Rhode island yeah
3: yeah basically what it is, is i'm like roughly Right now, I'm roughly about a mile and a half from the Rhode Island border. Um, So, I mean, like, southeastern New England. Mm -hmm. Uh, This year, I'll probably end up, um, big surprise, I'll probably end up at a bar. Yeah.
2: You know, um, I I learned something the other day that I will never forget. We're going over to my daughter's house for Halloween. Ah, I'm sorry, Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Thanksgiving is the onset of fall festivities, food, pumpkins, and so on. Mm-hmm. I had in my drawer a brand new orange t-shirt I hadn't worn yet. I was saving it for a special occasion. I never know okay. what that special occasion was because I hope it never came because I really didn't like the shirt. <laughs> so my wife says to me, why don't you wear this to Thanksgiving dinner? Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, you got to be kidding. Well, I was thinking a lot worse, but that's what came out because I've learned over the many years we've been married to put that filter in place. And you know, I said, "Okay, makes her happy, makes my life easy." Uh, so we get into walk into my daughter's house, and she says, "Oh my God, Dad, you're the great pumpkin!" <laughs> so I just looked at my wife, and she said, "Oh, I I still like it on you." They're only kidding. When you're six foot five, and somebody says you look like the great pumpkin wearing a T-shirt that is orange. You can't take them for any other way but being serious. Yep. (laughs) So I I promised myself when my wife suggests I wear something to the family dinner, I will say no. (laughs) Now, I wouldn't mind wearing that T-shirt going to a pub with you on Halloween because I think it would be really cool. like Mm. That's what it's meant for. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah, I know you said it. Yeah. Um, I mean, leading up to Halloween, I'm actually there were a few people at work. Mm-hmm. Um, they were talking about going into the Freetown State Forest, which is like allegedly the most haunted forest in Massachusetts. Wow. Um, so, probably going into the forest at some point during the day because you know I'm not not that crazy or not that drunk at the moment.
2: He said no, but, at, this uh, moment, yeah. at this
3: moment. At this moment.
2: Well, hey, listen, buddy, I, you and I have to say so long for tonight. It's been great having you with us. Love to have you back on in the future. And uh, continued success. And to you and yours, you. happy Halloween. And I hope you do not get a stiff, a stiff elbow enjoying your Halloween festivities.
3: I will do my best, Rob. Thank you very much for having me on.
2: You take care of yourself. <laughs> Exo Nation, my guest you this do. hour has been Charles Harrington, where you've been talking about his book that has all these great haunted locations in, uh, in Rhode Island. It's got maps. It's a do-it-yourselfer, and that's what makes it so special. Guide to haunted and strange places in Rhode Island and surrounds. My name is Rob McConnell. I'll be back after this break. Whatever you do, don't go away.